Hello, hello. Welcome back for another episode of Dig City, a Purdue volleyball podcast, a special season in review. As I'm Daniel Gilman, per usual, joined, as always, by the head coach of Purdue Volleyball, Dave Shondell, here in the middle of May, had a little R&R coach. But uh, as we take a look back, what was your overall uh, you know, opinion of, of how this season was run, of how you handled it, of how the student athletes handled it? You know, g- give me a grade and, uh, and an explanation. Well, I, I suppose to give a grade, I give it an A because I thought our athletes did a superb job of being disciplined, um, doing the things that they were supposed to do during a time where life was difficult. They committed themselves uh, to volleyball as much as any team that I have ever had. And that was easier to do that because there were very little outside activities that they could engage in. So volleyball was their outlet. Uh, but it was just amazing to see how many players came into our gym uh, outside of practice time and got the extra work and, and made progress. And I thought our coaching staff and our support staff uh, were brilliant this year. I mean, Stephanie Medina, our trainer, uh, so much stress and pressure on her uh, this year to to make sure that we were healthy and that the season was a success. And she did an incredible job and got a lot of support from the rest of the uh, of our support staff. And I thought our coaches were were on top of the game. And, uh, you know, I really felt like we were in a position to go further than we did, but we ran into a really good team in, in uh, Kentucky. And I give uh, Craig Skinner and his staff a lot of credit, and, and in particular their team, um, just for putting it together at the right time and, uh, and winning a national championship. But I, I give our, our, our effort an A this year. It uh, doesn't mean that that was as the best we could do. Uh, I didn't say A plus, I said an A. And it's something I think we can learn from. And, you know, we're already looking forward to the fall, which will be here before we know it. Yeah, it was, it hasn't even been a month. In fact, you know, we're talking on May 11th, about a month ago today, Selection Sunday comes around. Purdue matched up with High Point, beats them in three sets, four set winners against Oregon, holding Brooke Nunaviller to uh, her lowest output of the season. And coach, we haven't really talked too much. You were, you know, it was such a quick turnaround with that Sunday, Monday. What was your opinion on that incredible five or four day lead up to the tournament that you got to Omaha, you're getting ready. And then all of a sudden you've got three games in four days and you have to really turn things around immediately. It, it, it was a tournament that we'll never forget. Um, unlike any other that we've been involved in, but yet I thought the NCAA was very calm and collective about how they handled it. Um, they weren't, you know, watching over your shoulder and there wasn't security everywhere. They trusted each team to do the right thing. I thought the NCAA did a great job, to be honest with you. I thought Omaha was a great place to hold the event. I I thought it was a good experience for our players. Um, We just had to be held up in a hotel most of the time, um, which, and and no fans. So, you know, if you had that same event in Omaha with the 48 teams or more, um, with fans and with all the hoopla that would go along with that, boy, what a, it would be a pretty interesting event. And one that uh, I, I don't like having it, you know, that close to Lincoln because I think Nebraska gets a, a huge home court advantage of that. But on the other hand, if you want to do what's best for volleyball, that might be something worth a look um, because Omaha does a great job of hosting those type of events. And uh, the NCAA, you know, wants to do what's best for volleyball and, and, and raise money. So, but I thought it was great. And uh, I felt like 
the only thing I wish was that we had more time between the match with Oregon and the match with Kentucky. I just didn't think that we had enough time to, um, I guess, uh, reboot, you know, generate the, the emotion that we needed to, even though we got out to a 17 to 12 lead in the first set and we were up, uh, I think maybe 21, 20 in the, in the second against the national champions. I didn't think we were right. I didn't think we had the right mindset in that particular match. And I think a lot of that was Kentucky is really good. The more I watched them on tape, the more impressive they became. But the other thing is the mat, the win against Oregon was, was a big win for our program. I mean, Oregon was the number two team in the PAC 12. Um, we, we wanted to go to the elite eight and see where we could go from there. So that was reaching a real significant goal for our team. Something we haven't done since I think it was 2013 and it was an emotional win. And, you know, we, uh, we fought hard and we played great. It was, it was a masterpiece, defensive masterpiece by our team against Oregon, as you've already mentioned, holding one of the best players in America to a, a very minimal hitting percentage. And that was our goal. That was the key to what we thought was going to be uh, allow us to be successful. But then we just had very little time to regenerate the, the energy and the enthusiasm and the focus uh, to beat Kentucky. And I think that's something the NCAA is talking about, giving the extra day between uh, you know the semifinal and the final of the regional round. Yep, first trip in eight years, 2013, was that last Elite Eight trip. Coach, you talk about the, uh, the Nebraska fans, and, and I think the one positive that did come out of it is even when Nebraska was eliminated by Texas, the fans still stuck around for the Final Four, and I'm not sure we would have had that in Pennsylvania or in a, a non-volleyball-obsessed state. So I feel like that, that could be one of those pros that when you take a look back at this tournament, at least there were a couple thousand neutral fans in, in attendance for that for the Final Four and for the National Championship game. For those that missed it, Kentucky and Texas, an absolute barn burner, a lot of fun. Kentucky takes it in four, becomes the first SEC team to win the Volleyball National Championship as uh, Coach Craig Skinner, Muncie native. There, there were a couple of... Uh, there were a couple months, you guys, Coach, all there late. It was a lot of talk about, will, will it be Kelly Sheffield against Craig Skinner when the Final Four got set? And, and I know you and, and John are very close to Craig. Have you guys spoken since the championship? Yeah, a couple of times. You know, I've talked with uh, Craig and really proud of him and excited for him. Um, you know, he's been at Kentucky and been offered opportunities to go to what people thought were better jobs. But he recognized that he was in the right spot. And he's just a smart guy and he knew Kentucky was going to provide what they needed. And he loves being in Lexington. And there are a lot of things that people might've jumped at that he didn't because of his discipline and his maturity. And so I'm really pleased that he was able to persevere and, uh, and just get that team to play the way that they played down the stretch, because we saw them a year ago, Daniel, and you were there uh, over a year ago, obviously, because we played in the fall and we played them at in Lexington. And, uh, you know, we won that match. It was, it was a hotly contested match, but we won that match, but the improvement that their team made, even after losing Edmonds, who was the one of the best players in the country uh, and a medal that was really good. Uh, he found a way to put together a lineup full of really fast arms and fast jumpers and a great setter and a great libero. And it was just a magic formula. So congratulations to, to Kentucky and coach Craig Skinner. Yeah. Coach uh, Shondell and I are in the works with maybe having 
Coach Skinner on as a special guest here on Dig City. So keep an eye out for that as the days go on here in May. We've got to have some content to keep our volleyball fans excited and, and teaming. And, and that, that's going to lead me to my next question, Coach. Quickest turnaround that you have ever had as a coach. Season ends in the uh, middle or end of April. Season starts in the middle of August. What is this offseason going to be like for you and the student-athletes? Well, we want to give them time emotionally to unwind a little bit. Um, the COVID uh, pandemic, along with a hotly uh, contested season, um, is enough to you know, wear you down. So I think they need time to, to regroup. But I know it didn't take me long. Um, you know, I, was, I was ready to go after about a week and a half to, to get this thing rolling again. It reminds me a lot of being back as a high school coach the club season ended for players around July 4th and you were starting again August 4th. So you didn't have a big turnaround for, um, for kids that were training all year round, especially like in Muncie, Indiana, where that's what they did. So I, I don't think it's necessary that they have to have a tremendous amount of time, but I do know that um, there is some stress that was involved in this season. Our kids handled it great, but I wanna give them that time to, uh, to unload a little bit and uh, you know, stay in, in, in good condition. But the, the, all of our players will be back, I think, June 6th, June 4th or June 6th on campus. And we'll have a large number this year. But I, I look forward to what they're going to do as a team to get ready for what we think will be another really exciting season. Purdue finishes the season as the seventh ranked team in the AVCA poll, the best final ranking in program history, tied for the best ranking they've ever gotten. 2014 and 2012, the last times that the Boilermakers were ranked seventh. And coach, let's go down the line. We can spend some time talking about some accolades. Four All-Americans, Grace Cleveland, first team, and this is just AVCA. Grace Cleveland, first team All-American. Caitlin Newton, third team. Haley and Jenna Setter and Libero, both honorable mentions. And then a slew of accolades, Volleyball Magazine All-Americans, five All-Region honorees that we've touched in our last episode, what was your opinion of the uh, of the postseason respect that your crew finally got? Well, I've always said team success leads to individual accolades. And this was a team that did the work. And we were on national TV this year, Daniel, more than any other time in, in the history of Purdue volleyball. And people watched and, and they saw the, the talent and the type of players that we had and how they played together as a team. We did not have one individual uh, standout. We had several. And uh, despite all those accolades that we got, those honors, J.L. Johnson did not receive um, any of those. And what a great year she had. Uh, Mo Horning did not receive any of those. And what an unbelievable player that she is. And you can go right down the list. We were a team built around teamness, about having a, a lot of players that can play at a high level together. And that was the reason we had that success. And uh, I go back uh, and, I, and I told our team this in a, in a text the other day that uh, I would like to replay that Kentucky match. I mean, I know how good they are, but I, I don't think we had, we gave it our best shot. And I, I think that uh, that's on coaching and that's on players combined, but um, we had a, a team that was good enough to go further than the elite eight. We just, we just didn't get it done. So I'm looking forward to next year, but no, it was, it was a banner season uh, for our athletes. And um, you know, I'm looking forward to more development during the off season being joined by some really good freshmen 
that I think are, are great individuals that will come in and do everything they can to uh, build on what we're doing and will be great teammates as well. Fourth in the nation in blocks per set, one of just two teams in the country to have three players in the top 23 in total blocks with Trammell two, Cleveland 16, and you mentioned JL Johnson, 23rd in the country in total blocks. And those three all returning and will be joined by the two Gatorade player of the years in their respective states. You mentioned the, the pair of freshmen and, and the, the slew of freshmen that we'll be having, but let's start with Ali Hornung, Marissa's little sister, and Sydney Yim, Hornung named Gatorade player of the year in Indiana and Sydney named Gatorade player of the year in Massachusetts. Yeah, two great honors for kids that are very deserving of that. Uh, Allie, of course, is Marissa's uh, younger sister, the youngest of the Horning family, and she's a rock star. Um, she's just everything you could ask for. A very mature player. She's been a, an attacker. She's almost five foot ten. Uh, she has the ability to play in the front row if if that's the, the direction we want to go. Uh, for the most part, we've kind of um, designated her as more of a libero DS type player, but um, doesn't mean she can't play in the front row because there's teams that are doing that. She's not that much shorter than, than uh, Allie Stumler, who was the magical player for Kentucky down the stretch of this season. So we're excited about uh, Allie Hornung, great kid, as good of, a, of an individual as I've ever recruited in, in every way. So excited about her. Sydney Yim from um, Massachusetts. I get confused because she's there. There, all those states are pretty close around the border there. Um, but uh, all New she, England, right? She's from yeah, New, yeah. Newburyport, and it's all it's all new to me out there. It's not my not my wheelhouse <laughs> necessarily. But uh, Sydney's mom is a Purdue alumni that um, kind of coaxed her into coming to camp a couple of times, and uh, she had a great experience here. And, and she's a fastly developing um, setter that I think will uh, add some interesting. Um, Thanks to our team next year, about six foot. Again, unbelievably high quality individual. Um, and so anytime you can get a player like that to come into your gym, that's six foot, that can set, that's got great experience, it's a good thing. And, and then on top of that, you've got Raven Colvin, who had to be runner up to the Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Indiana because uh, Colvin was in the Fab 50, you know, for volleyball mag. Um, she's uh, highly touted. And on top of that, you've got Rastovsky, Emily Rastovsky uh, from the northern part of the state, who we think is going to be a real surprise as well. So four really good freshmen coming in to our program. All right, coach, I've got to ask it. I'm getting some pressure from Purdue Twitter that the next time we talk, you know, we haven't had any announcements. Wisconsin's Twitter has been really hyping up their returning announcements and everything like that. So let's get to it, coach. What do we know about the two seniors and their decisions on whether they're gonna come back for the fall of 2021? We feel like it was important that we give both Jenna Otek and Caitlin Newton ample time uh, to, I think, get through a couple of weeks before uh, they make a decision on what they would like to do. And uh, we've talked to them uh, about whether or not it would be in the best interest of both um, our program and themselves uh, to come back. They both have opportunities to do other things, whether it uh, is play professionally, uh, take jobs in their field, uh, or come back and play. And, you know, as we talked about off the air, Daniel, I, th I think that it's, it's not a dilemma. It's just a, a situation. Uh, 
and we're going to be in, in good shape either way. Uh, I think we have tremendous talent coming back, but I also think when you have two all Big Ten players, the, the best conference in America, that you know they can bring they can add something to our team, and I think it, it would be them being very very mature about how they enter this season and and be in a position to I can have a great year, we can do something special, but I also have to help these young players that have been waiting and biding their time for opportunities uh, to get what they what they've deserved and what they've earned over the course of time. So um, we'll we'll let people know as soon as we know, but I I don't there's no rush for me. To, to make that decision, we're going to be a really good volleyball team um, either way. Uh, I want what's best for them. The NCAA has given us the, them the opportunity to come back, um, but it, it has to be under the right conditions and the right mindset. I have to imagine that's got to be the, the one factor that might be keeping coaches up the most this offseason because you've got to you know, weigh you, your young talent and maybe someone who was waiting in the wings and these seniors that are coming back and, uh, and, you know, putting pressure on, on coaches around the country. Right. Well, every coach is in a different position as far as who they have. And um, sometimes they're, they're encouraging people to um, move on, you know, um, but we, we're not in a position to do that, of course, because we, you know, we, if our people stick with us for four years, they're going to be pretty good players. So, no, I, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting situation that the NCA has uh, put us in, and it won't change after that because everybody that played this year has the opportunity to return. This is the only time, though, that your institution can pay for those extra scholarships. After this year, you're still locked into 12 scholarships. So, for example, if J.L. Johnson, for example, wanted to stay again next year, um, she could do that, but we couldn't bring in a scholarship player on top of that. So there's a lot of, um, you know, wheels turning to make sure that if you've got players uh, on your roster from last year, how you're going to recruit into those classes to make sure you don't have too many players. If, if some of those players, if it's in the best interest of our program, if they return. Perfect. Yeah. Information uh, that I'm sure a lot of fans may not have known, maybe just, you know, half new. So that's always an interesting thing. I do want to ask about the, uh, the vibe around the conference because the Big Ten, obviously, you know, always a powerhouse, but just couldn't, couldn't get to that national championship game. I think it was the first time in five or six years that they weren't represented, yet locked and loaded once again, taking a look at Penn State just collecting all the Pokemon cards, right? For Russ Rose, Erica Pritchard, one of the most underrated players in the entire country comes over from Maryland. And um, what is there? One Rollins. more piece. Rollins from yep, Adana. Yeah. So just when, when a coach like you sees a, a, a team in the conference building up like that, what is, what is the, the first instinct in an opinion? Well, Penn state got better, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to, to you know, play things in, in college volleyball now. You didn't see this happening very much in the past where uh, people would move in and out of respective programs. And, and I think that's fine. You know, I, I, I don't have any problem with people that, are, that, that do that. You know, you know, sometimes players aren't in the right place. They got to go somewhere else. And uh, I just don't want that to be our program. Okay. I just don't want that to be Purdue Volleyball. I, I think that if you have the right, if you have a culture, as I see the culture, then you want to develop players. 
Um, certain players aren't going to be ready to play as freshmen or maybe sophomores, but their time will come. And what we feel like we do as well as anybody is train athletes in our gym. And, and we develop a culture uh, where it's a positive environment to come into. And, you know, that's, we've had five transfers in 18 years. Five scholarship players have left Purdue in 18 years. And if, if you look close enough, you'll see some programs that in one year or two years will lose five players. Now, that's not something that you necessarily need to be proud of, but yet I am because I think that speaks highly of Purdue, that this is a, a place where people come to and they, they recognize that it's fair. And if you do your job and you work hard, you'll have an opportunity to be a Stephanie Lynch, an Ariel Turner, um, Daniel Catino, um, Sheridan Atkinson, Grace Cleveland, the list goes on and on, where people that you know came here not overly um, rated or, or ranked, but yet, uh, developed into great players. Haley Bush would be a great example. Caitlin Newton would be another one. Jenna Otek. I mean, that class that came in there, Bush, Newton, and Otek, they were all, just were named all Big Ten. And that was a class that nobody thought that that would happen to. Okay, so that's why I'm proud of people like John and Kat and our volunteer coaches and our support staff, that we just work and work and work. And we put confidence in people and we believe in people and they end up being really good players. It's, it's really been, you know, incredible for myself too. And, you know, the three years watching the progression from Haley Bush as a first year setter, taking the team to the second round, learning from that, getting the revenge against Kentucky, taking the team to the third round. And then once again, rebuilding, getting a lot of national recognition, the blocks all coming in and getting to that elite eight, who knows, maybe 2021 fall could be that next step coach. I, uh, I, I'm going to throw in this on you. So, you know, feel free to say no, but do we, do we know anything about a schedule coming up? Like, do we have any mid-August, early August? Are there any teams in the works or, or maybe some uh, trips to like uh, exotic islands that I can get excited? Uh, no exotic islands, Daniel, for, for your benefit. But hopefully the season will be a normal season, and we think it will be. We are going to have four weeks of non-conference play. Uh, we hope to host the first and the fourth weekend of those particular uh, last weekend of August and then the third weekend of uh, September. Uh, our schedule is getting close um, today. As a matter of fact, we got a commitment from a couple of different teams for some tournaments, but I don't want to speak on it. It's going to be one of the toughest schedules we have ever played. Uh, a lot of power five conferences with who are very well respected um, that will be uh, coming here and that we will be going to play. Uh, we, of course, I can share this, that we do have the one round, the tournament with Xavier and Lipscomb and, and Louisville. We'll play Louisville in the first match, the second weekend of September, and that will be at Xavier, and we'll play the first match against Louisville. Xavier will play Lipscomb, and then uh, if you lose, you'll you'll play Xavier or Lipscomb. I, I guess. It's a the LUV yeah, invite. Whoever point. wins plays each other, and whoever yeah. loses, same, same schedule as before. But Xavier will play the primetime match both nights because they're hosting the tournament. I, I, that's what I want to make clear. But uh, again, we've got some teams, you know, we're, we're, we're talking to. We feel like Purdue Fort Wayne is going to come in. We've got Jacksonville State, which is Todd Garvey's uh, program that we think might come in, along with the possibility of Tennessee 
for the fourth weekend. The first weekend, uh, LMU is a possibility. Uh, we're also looking at Kansas that, uh, that could come in and some other teams that, that are, would look at that and think that would be a great tournament to, to come to. So, uh, and then we'll look at the second weekend, we're still looking at opportunities to travel to places, but uh, four weekends of non-conference and then a 20 match Big Ten uh, schedule. Uh, we will not be playing the same place night after night. We'll be traveling. So that's a decision the Big Ten coaches made. They did not want to stick with what we did this year, even though I liked it. I thought it eliminated some of the compression, which was a huge concern of the Big Ten coaches before. But apparently they got over that with COVID. And uh, so uh, we will be going back to what would be a very normal Big Ten schedule, uh, as far as I know, unless the uh, administrators uh, in our in the league decide that they don't want to do that. Fantastic. Coach, thank you so much. I feel like we covered it all, but, you know, Purdue faithful, if you have any questions, go ahead and tweet it at me, at Daniel Gilman or at Purdue Volleyball, Purdue VB on Twitter, and we'll make sure to catch it all up in our next off-season episode. He's Coach Dave Shondell. I'm Daniel Gilman. This is Dig City, a Purdue Volleyball podcast. <laughs>